Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. I have just one, one verse to open with. We'll read that, and then I'll let you be seated. Amen. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him there's clear skies ahead. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing already, oh God. Help me to be a blessing to somebody. Anoint my lips as I speak today, oh Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for your direction, oh God. We release the gifts of the Spirit in this place today. God, that we would operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit will be manifest and evident in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, let's just shout, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You could be seated. Amen. Clear skies ahead. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before I get into what the Lord has put on my heart for this day, I do want to tell, give honor to my pastor Anthony, his wife, Sister Michelle, their family. Amen. They have been a blessing to us. Amen. Amen. Even more now that we are in Blue Island, it's it's just uh, such a blessing to have somebody like Pastor Anthony to bounce things off of and speak to, and I'm just so thankful for him. Amen. Amen. Speaking of Blue Island, I figure I'd give you guys a little bit of an update since I'm here. Amen. Amen. I'm going to put up a picture here of my friend, Brother Darius. Brother Darius, I met him at the library. We started talking at the library, and started teaching him a Bible study. He First he started coming, and then we started teaching him a Bible study. We're going through exploring God's word, and uh, he realized his need to be baptized. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you're in a church plant. You don't got... This, you know, we just got an inflatable pool and we filled it up. Amen. He was all the way under, and that's all that matters in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you, he, he kind of what I'm going to talk about today, he found out that uh, his video games were a distraction in his life, Sister Vivian. That media stuff was a distraction in his life. And so one Bible study, he comes, and he's got this box. In his box, he's got a PlayStation 3, a PlayStation 4 all of his games, and he says, I want to put this on the altar, and I want to surrender this to the Lord. I've been spending way too much time playing video games. Come on, somebody. He's got a wonderful smile. He's an artist. He's an awesome, awesome young man. Excited to have him. Last week, as, that was two weeks ago, last week is was Pentecost Sunday, and we had a man named Sean, and he's been, he came here the other night, and he's been so hungry for the Holy Ghost, and he's been texting me at 4 in the morning during his prayer time. It's funny. He used to wake up in the morning and play his instruments, and then he told me one day, he goes, Pastor, I think I should reverse that. I think I should pray first and then pray my, play my instruments later. I said, well, I, I agree. And he says, I knew you would. Uh, so he's been texting me every morning at 4 a.m. and telling me what the word of the day is. And he's been praying for our family, and he's been covering us in prayer. Well, last Sunday, he came up at the end of our prayer service, and 
he was seeking after the Holy Ghost, and then he stood there for the worship service and seeking after the Holy Ghost, and then we did our little meet and greet, and he was still there. And I just looked at him, and I said, we're going to have a Peter and a Cornelius moment today. You just go ahead and stay in that altar, Brother Sean. You pray as long as you need to. And uh, I was preaching about halfway through the message, 30 minutes in or so, and I just looked around. I said, all right, everybody, stretch forth your hands. I laid my hands on Brother Sean as I'm right there in the middle of my message, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago when I preached on a Thursday night and the message was with them that happened to be there. You remember that message? Both of these men were in that message. Both of these men were people that just happened to be filled with the Holy And I shared the gospel with them, and here they are, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Who's excited? Amen. 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 Last Thursday night, if you were here, pastor preached a message called the culture of evangelism. And so today, I'm just going to talk a little bit, if that's okay, about a hindrance to the culture of evangelism. Amen. Amen. He that, regard, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regards the clouds shall not reap. Amen. It was a cool, clear December night in 1972. Eastern Airlines Flight 111011 was a jumbo jet carrying 176 people from New York to Miami. This was, by all uh, accounts, a very standard flight, a routine flight. This is a flight that most of these pilots could have done in their sleep. A lot of flights happen from New York to Miami, but yet, this one, this particular flight, stands today as one of the worst aviation disasters in the history of our country. The flight never made it to Miami, and instead it crashed in the nearby Everglades, and it killed 101 of the 176 people on that flight. Amen. The flight from New York was supposed to just take two hours, and for the majority of the flight, everything was just fine. Takeoff was smooth. No turbulence. The, the pilot was going a little faster than normal, and he was going to make good time. You know, you're always glad you hear the pilot come on. We're making great time, and they were making great time. And they were getting close to Miami, and they were getting ready to make their descent into the airport, and they flipped on all the landing gears. But there was this one little green light that was a sensor that wouldn't come on. That green light, sensor light, was to indicate that the nose landing gear had come down. In a panic, they didn't know what was going on. They, they set everything to autopilot as they began to do their investigation. And they sent the guy down into the hole to see if the landing gear had come down. And, and during all of this searching for this little green light problem, one of the pilots accidentally hit the button and the autopilot turned off. Unbeknownst to the pilots, because they were so distracted with what they were doing, trying to figure out why the green light wouldn't come on, the plane just began to descend faster and faster until they finally realized that 
we're, 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 we're about to crash. And they grabbed the, the reins, but it was too late. They couldn't avert the disaster. They crashed into a fiery ball of flames, and 101 people died. 99 instantly, two a few days later in the hospital. And as tragic as that is, it's even more tragic when you, when you hear about what the investigators would say about this flight. There was nothing wrong with the landing gear. The landing gear was out. The landing gear was prepared. What was wrong was the light bulb was burned out. And in their search to discover why the lightning or why the, uh, the light wasn't coming on, they lost focus of what they should have been doing. And when they lost focus of what should have been happening, disaster struck. Hear me this morning. Hell is doing everything it can to distract the church from fulfilling its purpose. Hell is trying its very best to stop the church from taking up their cross and following the Lord. Hell is doing everything it can to keep us so distracted with the issues of life and the storms that are going on all around us. I want you to hear me today. The wind is a distraction. The clouds are a distraction. The fear that's gripping you and stopping you from doing what God called you to do is nothing but a distraction. And I wonder who's here this morning that would stand up and tell hell, I won't be stopped. I won't be hindered. I won't be silenced. Devil, you can try, but I'm not giving up. Devil, you can come at me, but I'm going to keep fighting. You can't stop the church. I'm going to stand in your face, and I'm going to keep going because there are clear skies ahead. Hallelujah. 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 Hear me now, there will be a harvest of souls. There will be people added to the church every day. There will be thousands being filled with the Holy Ghost at one time. The devil can't stop the church. The devil can't stop what the church is going to do. Hear me now, the Lord is not a man that he should lie. If he declared it, then I wish that somebody would just believe what the word of the Lord says. We will have revival. We will have harvest. We will have 25 campuses. We will flip this world upside down. And the storms of hell ain't going to stop us. The wind is not going to distract us. But we're going to keep going forward into the clear skies ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. The storms and the clouds that we find covering our lives are nothing but a distraction from hell. The gates of hell are doing its best to come against the church and to stop the church from going forward into this world with the apostolic message and reaching out and pulling people out of the fire. But we can't do it because we're so bound up with the distractions in our own life. We look around and we see this happening and we, th- we see that happening and we think somehow that means that the will of God is not for us to go forward. But I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. The lie from the enemy says that people don't want this. It's a lie from the enemy that says that people don't want to hear about God. It's a lie from the enemy that says that people don't want to be healed. It's a lie from the enemy that says all these things. But here we are and we believe it because of the wind and the cloud. The distractions are here, 
And they create anxiety and they create fear in us. But the Lord, hear me now, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. But he has given us power. Come on, I wish you would look at somebody and tell them I got power. Now tell somebody else. See, I don't hear that you believe it. Tell somebody else. Come on, I got power. I got power. I got power. I wish somebody would shout it until they believe it. Do you believe you got power or not? Is this just something we say in church or is this something we actually believe? Or do we have power to change the world? Do we have power to flip this world upside down? Do we have power to lay hands on the sick? Do we have power over the enemy? Do we have power? Hallelujah. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Uh, we, are not, we are not powerless beings walking around this world, but we are apostolic, uh, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, Jesus-name-believing apostolics, uh, and we are going to flip the world upside down, but we got to get our eyes off the storm and see the clear skies that are ahead. You think back just to our worship service just a few moments ago when we were singing, shout Jesus over this and shout Jesus over that. And, and you can feel the shift in the atmosphere when we start declaring the name of Jesus over everything. What would happen if we would remember that that name of Jesus is just as powerful at Walmart as it is in here? What if we remember that that name of Jesus is just as powerful at your job as it is in here? Uh, the, the name of Jesus is not contained by four walls. Uh, the name of Jesus is to be brought to this world. The earth is his, uh, the fullness thereof. Uh, he the hell of We have power. My power is not limited to the Pentecostal church. My power is not limited to Harvey or Blue Island or whatever campus you, you go to. You have power to go into every store, into every situation, and declare that name of Jesus because at the very mention of that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We have power. But... But we get sick, and the clouds come. My bills come, and now there's the wind. Somebody that I was teaching a Bible study to and ministering to, they walked away from the Lord. Another cloud, another wind, another distraction. The enemy has got us. He's whispering into our ears. He's whispering, and he's tearing down the advancement of the church. And he's tearing down. Oh, hallelujah. But we have to stop letting him distract us. <laughs> it's time for us to rise up and to be what we were called to be. Oh, hallelujah. In this church, just in this assembly right here, I know of people whose children and grandchildren have walked away from the Lord. It's time we take them back. It's time we take them back. There are people in here today 
that are going through some stuff, and you're not sure whether or not you're going to make it through it. It's just a distraction. Just shout the name of Jesus over your situation. Put your faith and your confidence in him. We have the power. You see, it's nothing... Fear. Listen, let me tell you something. This is what I felt in a prayer service. It was a little bit of distractions going on. Right? We were, we were, had little conversations going on and whatever. That's fine. Uh, but we were distracted. We were distracted. We were trying to push into this power and the presence of God. But we were just a little bit distracted. And what we did was, okay, let's lock this up. Let's refocus. And look what happened. Spirit of the Lord moved. Listen, I'm not saying that we can't get distracted, but we have to understand where the distractions are coming from. The distractions are nothing but an, a, a, but an attack from the enemy to keep your mind and your eyes off of the harvest. He's trying to get our mind and our eyes off of our, our own issues and our own problems and the, own, and the things that are happening in our own lives. And, 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 we're, and what happens is we'll use that as an excuse for why I can't do this. Why I can't go there? Why? Well, that's for them to do, or that's for that. I, I, got, I just got too much going on in my life. Come with me for a while. Come check out my schedule. <laughs> Amen. It gets busy. I get it. I get it. But we're not laying up treasures for earth. We're laying up treasures for heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And, and this whole thing about fear and intimidation, I want you to understand, this is nothing new. There is nothing new under the sun, right? It's just a tired recycling of the same tactics by the same defeated enemy, and it just continues to work for some reason. My Bible says that Jesus made a show of his enemies trampling upon them. And he's given that dominion into my life now. But somehow I continually to surrender power to this idiot called the devil. This guy that's defeated, I just keep saying, go ahead, man. You go Talk to me a little bit. Stop me from doing this and stop me from doing that. I start to look at the wind and the clouds, but I want you to know today there are clear skies ahead. Praise God. Ever since the beginning of the New Testament church, fear has been the tactic. Fear and intimidation has been the tactic. The disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and power. They took that power and they began to preach and they began to teach all over Jerusalem. And just within a few days, they had over 10,000 people worshiping the Lord, giving their lives over to God. They went about uh, the city preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus crucified. They were casting out demons. They were healing uh, sick men. There was a lame man. They said, silver and gold, I don't got it, bud. But this is what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And, and he was just began to, to, to jump and shout. And everybody was giving their lives over to the Lord. And then Acts chapter 4 came. Acts chapter 2, they get the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, they got harvest. Acts chapter 4, fear comes. Acts chapter 4, 16, saying... 
What shall we do? Now, these are the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the smart guys, that, the big robes and the nice hats. And they get together, and they're going to stop these 12 uh, unlearned, ignorant men. They're going to stop them from doing what they've been doing. It says, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them as manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. Listen, the enemy knows he cannot deny the power of God. He knows that he cannot deny the power of God. Only thing he can do is get us to deny the power of God. In Jesus' name. But that it's spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor to teach in the name of Jesus. They couldn't stop the miracle. They couldn't stop the power of God. They had no power to stop the disciples from preaching and teaching the word and the name of Jesus, so resorted to the only thing it had left, wind, clouds, fear, intimidation. The enemy knew that if he could get the disciples to get their eyes off of the mission and instill fear in them, only then could the church be stopped. Only then can the kingdom of God be stopped. The kingdom of God is only stopped when the church is so full of problems and distractions that they don't do the mission of God. Our mission is to go. Go ye into the world. Preach to every creature. Go and baptize them in the name of Jesus. Go. 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 But all we want to hear is stay, stay, stay. The distractions, the wind, the fear, the intimidation, it puts us in this little box right here that we got. The enemy says, let them have church. We can't deny the power of God. Just let them have it right here. We, we, I can't. The enemy knows I can't beat the church. I can't stop the church. But this is what I can do. I can intimidate the church to staying inside. Let them feel good every Sunday. Let them experience the power of God. But as soon as we hit that door, boom, it just stays behind us. It's so funny to me. I'm, I'm right here with you. We'll come in here with problems. We'll... Put those problems on the altar. God will deliver us and heal us and, and strengthen us. And instead of taking God with us, we come back and we grab the problems and we bring them home with us. And then, we, Well, God didn't heal me. Come on, somebody. God didn't deliver me. God didn't do this and God didn't do that. The power of God cannot be denied by the enemy. The power of God is real. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is a provider. He is a strength. He is a comfort. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my love. He is my savior. He is my rock. He is my banner. He is my defense. But not just in here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, wind, fear, distractions, clouds, get them worried about themselves. He's defeated. He's defeated and he knows it. He's defeated and he knows it. All it takes 
is a Holy Ghost filled man or woman of God to get some holy boldness behind them and just tell that devil what he can do. <laughs> Come on. I wish somebody would stand up right now and tell that devil where he can go. Come on, devil. You can come against me, but you can get behind me at the same time. You ain't going to stop me. You ain't going to stop me, devil. There's no devil in hell that can stop what the church is going to do. And as long as I'm walking in the Holy Ghost and power, there's nothing that can come against the Spirit of the Lord that's in me. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Come on. I wish a devil would try to raise up against me. Come on. I'm not afraid of no stinking devil. We're walking around this world like we're afraid of something. I ain't afraid of no dumb devil. Come against me. I'll tell you where to go. Right back to where you already been sent. Oh, he, he's going to attack my family. No, he's not. I shouted Jesus over my family. Afraid no dumb devil. Got us walking around here in fear and, in, and we're intimidated. Christians are timid all across this world. Why are we so timid? We got the power. We got the power. We ain't got to, we ain't got to fear nothing. We can raise up, tell that devil where he can go. The disciples didn't let that devil tell him nothing. They said, you can't teach in the name of Jesus. He said, well, we can obey God or we can obey men. You decide. But I'm going to keep preaching the name of Jesus. I'm going to keep teaching the name of Jesus. Got the schools. I don't know if you saw this nonsense. Utah is banning the Bible in schools because it's too violent, they said. But they'll have a drag show the same week. I ain't afraid of no dumb devil. There's clear skies in front of me. You can send every wind and every cloud and everything you want against me. Because guess what? I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep teaching. Because I know who it is that I serve. I know who it is that called me out of darkness and put me on into his marvelous light. I know who it was that took me out of that miry clay and set my feet upon the solid rock. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you there ain't no devil that can stop you. You got the Holy Ghost. Just keep preaching and teaching. Don't get distracted. We're going to have harvest. We're going to have revival. We're going to fill this place. Let me tell you something. This room right here isn't even going to be able to fit our youth groups in it. This room right here ain't going to be able to fit our youth group in it. We're going to be have to build buildings. We're going to have to build cathedrals and, and all kinds of things. Why? Because we're going to change the world. Yo, it wasn't very long after fear and intimidation came against the church, and that wasn't working, that distraction came. Acts chapter 2, Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, Healing and Harvest. Acts chapter 4, Fear and Intimidation. Acts chapter 5 tells us a story of a man and a woman, Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira were a married couple, and they had a house. 
And everybody in the church was kind of selling their stuff and bringing it all together, and they were helping each other out. And Ananias and Sapphira, they decided to sell their house. And, but when it came time to give the money, they held a portion back. When it was time to surrender the money, it was, well, I don't know about that. I'm gonna give you, I'll give you a little bit, but I'm going to keep the rest for me. Charity starts in my pocket, right? Amen. But the Bible does never give us any record that they were supposed to give everything. The Bible doesn't ever tell us that it was a commandment that everybody was to sell everything and give everything. This is what people were doing out of the abundance of their heart. The the Ananias and Sapphira, they owned the house, and while it was in their possession, it it was within their power to do what they wanted with it. And here's what I believe. You can... If you're a theologian and you want to dig this out, you can correct me later if I'm wrong. But it sounds good for right now. I believe that Ananias and Sapphira were full of faith when they sold the house. When they made the decision to put their house on the market, they were full of faith. We're going to do this. They got together at a prayer meeting. They're like, this is going to happen. We're going to sell our house. We're going to give it to God. And great things are going to happen. And we're going to see mighty things. And I could just see them shouting the house down. They sell it. The money changes hands. And quickly the whisperer comes. You ain't got to give them all that money. It, it don't take all that, does it? Why do they need all of you? Why do they need to give? Why do they need you to give so much? And they started to get distracted with the lies of the enemy. And fear and intimidation and distraction and clouds and wind began to rise up in their life. And they were beginning to what would happen if I surrendered all? What would happen if I gave everything? I, would God even provide for me, Sister Vivian, if I gave everything? I gotta take care of myself. I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm taken care of first. Now, as a believer, you might be here today and your struggle is not money. But the the enemy comes in and whispers to you, do you really gotta give all your time to the church like that? Do you really need to make those phone calls and call the people that weren't here? Do you really need to send a text message to somebody who's hurting? Is it really that important for you to go and pray for somebody? Can't somebody else do it? You're so busy. I know I'm preaching real good right now. You don't need to do that. Listen, you don't even know that person. That person's got plenty of people in their life that that talk to them about God. You don't have to waste your time talking to them. You just go... Go about your business. Go straight to that milk aisle. Get your gallon of milk and go home. Eat your cereal. You don't have to pray for them. You don't have to go to church. You go to church every Sunday? Every Sunday? You Wait a minute. You read your Bible every day? You ain't got to do that. What does that take you? You pray every, really? You, you don't need to do all that. The enemy just whispers into our ear. You don't have to surrender all? Come on. No, listen, that's surrendering all stuff. That's for the pastor and the preachers and the ministers. And then he's even, even some ministers like, I ain't going to surrender all. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking good. 
I know I'm talking good. Yeah, I come in the middle of the week. Wait a minute, they want you to go in the middle of the week? I had a guy ask me that the other day, what's the, what's the significance of going to church on a Wednesday night? I said, what's the significance of you going to the gym every day? <laughs> and, he, and he looked at me and he smiled. He goes, touche. <laughs> you ain't got to do all that. It don't take all that. You ain't got to sur- surrender. That's ridiculous. It don't take. Oh, you got to go to a youth night too. Hold on a second. It's a Friday night service for youth. You're 50 years old. Why are you going? You don't need to be there. Stay home. Judge Judy's on. Come on. You think I'm playing? You don't think those whispers come to me? You don't think those lies come against my life? You don't think the enemy is trying everything he can to distract me from doing something for God? I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't know if I've told anybody this besides Pastor Anthony. But last year, around April, we made the decision no, I'm sorry. The year before that, we made the decision that we were getting ready to launch the campus. We didn't have a date yet. But the, if, if you don't know how it works to launch a campus, you got to build up a community group. Right? You start a community group. You get a big enough crowd of people, and you're witnessing to, and you're ministering to. Then you, you, you kind of just move that into a church. And pastor pulled me aside. He says, Brother Ron, I haven't heard you talk about community group in a while. Is everything Okay. And this is what I said, because this was the enemy whispering in my life, and he was winning. And I tell pastor, I said, pastor, I know that if I build a community group, I got to start a church. And I don't, and, and the enemy was telling me all the reasons why I can't start a church. And I was letting that idiot win. I was letting him win. Listen, if it's something physical or spiritual, we can deal with that. We got counselors. We can pray. But if it's just fear that's stopping you from doing something for God, you need to rise up right now and say, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. I will do something for God. I will teach a Bible study this week. I will pray for somebody this week. I will. I will. I will. I don't care what it is you got to do. Just do something for the Lord. There's clear skies in front of you. There's no more cloud. There's no more wind. There's just clear skies, and we got to start walking in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Too many of us have surrendered our power because of the storms. And when the enemy is sent enough distractions, the church will take its eyes off the mission and we will lose power. It's called a loose connection. You've ever had one of those where the light's flickering and you got to play with the wire a little bit. That's a, well, that's just a loose outlet. you got to just kind of stick it in there a little bit and jiggle it around, and the power will come back on. Right? Fear, distraction, wind, clouds. It loosens our connection to the power source. 
It loosens our connection to the power source. Where we should be walking in power and authority, what we find ourselves doing is shrinking in fear at the clouds and the wind that's coming against us. But we don't have to fear. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the cloud shall not reap. The wind and the clouds are not a manifestation of God's anger towards you. The wind and the clouds are not a manifestation of God's punishment upon you. The wind and the clouds are not meant to beat you down and put you under. The wind and the clouds that are in your life serve nothing else but to get your eyes off of that stuff and get it onto God. And when you put your eyes on God, he will lead you through. I want you to hear, listen, I said a lot already. If you don't hear nothing else I have to say, this is one of those verily, verily moments. Hear this. The only reason the enemy attacks your life is because you are advancing the kingdom of God. The only reason it the, uh, the whispers and all that stuff come into your life and try to distract you is because there's a purpose in front of you that he's trying to get your eyes off of. And if he can get your eyes off of the purpose that's in front of you, he wins. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9. Paul writes, he says, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Paul said there was a door. It wasn't just a regular old door, but it was a door of effectiveness. It was a great door that he could walk through. And he was, he was planning to leave Ephesus, but he didn't leave because of this door. And I want you to understand from this verse is it wasn't the revival that had him excited. It wasn't the harvest that had him excited. It wasn't the miracles of God that had him excited. It wasn't the power of God that was flowing that had him excited. He got excited because there was many adversaries. He knew that because there was many adversaries, there was great work to be done in the kingdom. The only time the enemy rises up and tries to fight against you is when you're doing something great for the kingdom of God. And so when the adversary comes, just say thank you. Good to see you. Glad you showed up. You're late to the party. I'm already moving forward. You ain't stopping this. The enemy will only attack those that are doing something for the Lord. If he's not attacking you, then hear me now. you got to get yourself in the fire. If you don't got no wind and clouds in your life and you are just got rosy skies all behind you and you don't know, what's this guy talking about? Let me tell you, so you got to get in the fight. All right, all right. You are a spirit-filled, powerful child of God. Do not live beneath your status. Do not allow the enemy to tell you you can't do this and you can't do that and you should just be happy you're in the church and you're saved. You might as well just come and sit on a pew and just be thankful that that God hasn't struck you with fire and smited you already. That's what the enemy tells us. But I want you to know, you are called to be more than just somebody that shows up on Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. You are a Holy Ghost-filled child of God, full of power and full of the fullness of God Almighty. And if you got God living inside of you, then it's time for you to give it to somebody else. 
Woo, we got clear skies ahead of us. Let the wind come. Let the storms come. I'm not afraid of an attack from the enemy. Let it come. Why? Because my God commands the wind. My God commands the storms. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, he said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? He arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. Oh, hallelujah. We, why are we afraid? Have faith in God. He will calm the storm. Don't let that enemy shut your mouth. We have to get the message out. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Maranatha, he's on his way. You better get yourself right. You better get ready. The Lord is coming back soon. And he's coming back for a church that's without spot, that's without blameless. He's looking for the light of the Holy Ghost inside of you. John John 3, 5, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to live a life of holiness. You need to live a life of repentance. You need to live a life according to the book. Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. If something's lost, that means it needs to be found. Guess what? We're playing a big old game of hide and go seek. And it's time for some seekers out here to get out there and find somebody that's lost and bring them into the house of the Lord. There's somebody out there that's been hiding all this time just begging, please, somebody come and find me. I've been stuck in this dark cloud for all this time. I've been curled up in this little ball. I got this gun on the table. I got these pills on the table. I'm stuck in a bottle. I'm stuck in a needle. I just need somebody that's full of God to come and save me and to seek me. I'm tired of playing go hide and hide and go seek. I just want to be found. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The enemy is doing all he can to get us distracted. The wind and the clouds are nothing. Don't regard them. That's nothing. Peter wrote this. He said, be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Resist them steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The clouds that you're facing, the storm that you're facing, your brother somewhere else is going through the exact same thing. You ain't the only one going through what you're going through. And I know your story is rough, and I know you got a hard story. And I had my own story at one time, and I got my own story now. But I want you to know that the story that you're facing is not uh, uh, special just to you. There's somebody else that's going through what you're going through. Or there's somebody else that has gone through what you're going through. And if they haven't and that's not true, then somebody you're going to meet someday is going to go through what you're going through. And the reason why you're going through what you're going through is so you can be a witness to somebody in the future. And you can say, listen, bud, I know you're struggling, but we're going to make it through. There's clear skies ahead. We're going to be just fine. Amen. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I'm sorry. But the God of grace, who called us into this eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, he'll make you perfect. He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. He'll settle you. Watch out. Be careful. I had a teacher growing up, Mrs. Drouse, sweet lady, one of my favorite people of all time. 
She, she believed in me when nobody else did. She saw the good in me when nobody else did. I wasn't the best kid in, in, in that time, but praise God, I'm here now. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I used to say, Miss Strauss, can I go to the bathroom? She said, I don't know. Can you? Miss Strauss, can I go to the bathroom? I don't know. Can you? And what she wanted me to say was, may I? May I go to the bathroom? You see, can refers to ability. May refers to permission. The devil is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. He's out there looking for permission. He's looking for permission into your life to destroy you. Because he can't touch you unless God gives him permission. You read the story of Job. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything to Job unless God told him he could do it. And even then, he never even talked to Job about it. He just did it. Because if he has the permission from God, he's not going to tell you about it. He's just going to go ahead and do it. But if he doesn't have the ability, if he can't do it, and then he's looking for you to give him permission to do it. And if we keep our eyes on the storm and the cloud and the wind and all the other things that are going on in our life, we're giving him permission to take up residence in our life and to speak to us and to tear us down and to lie to us and tell us all the reasons why we're worthless and we're garbage and nobody cares about us. He's seeking whom he may devour. May. Who's giving him permission today? Who's going to give him permission today? He's looking for who he may devour. If he had the ability to do it, he would have done it already. If he had the ability to do it, he would have done it already. Amen. May. May. May I. No, you can't. <laughs> No, you can't. Get behind me, Satan. Amen. I wish somebody would hear me right now. The devil is only sending distractions by way of winds and clouds because he has no power or ability to stop the church. His only hope is that we would allow him or give him our permission to stop us. But I want you to know, we are the church, and he cannot stop the church. We are going to see harvest. We are going to fill this place with so many souls that we need to expand the walls. We're going to fill this place with so many souls that we're going to have to build another building. The campuses will be filled. The buildings that we currently occupy are not going to be big enough for the harvest that's coming our way. If we would just look at the clear skies ahead and not regard the wind and not regard the clouds, but we will get back to sowing and we get back to reaping and sowing over here and reaping over there and sowing and reaping and reaping where we did not sow because of the blessings of God upon a church that won't stop moving forward. Hallelujah. Amen. You can remain standing, and the other ones that didn't stand, you can stand with us. I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna, good friend of mine, he asked one time, can I get five more minutes? Who will give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. All right. That's 5, 10, 15, 20. 
I loved it. Brother Rodas, he did that one day. And I told him I was going to use it one time. It's funny. Amen. Jesus said unto them, John chapter 4, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Somebody say, finish the work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. It's time we finish the work. The day of the Lord is quickly coming upon us. It's time that we finish the work. Amen. If you read the book of Revelations and you might get a little spooked by all the weird vividry, uh, imagery and stuff that's in there. And I want you to know that if you really look in the book, it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole book is revealing Jesus Christ and who he is to us. And it tells us that in the last days will be the greatest harvest of souls that we have ever seen. So I want you to, I want you to somebody tell that devil right now, you can send a storm, but harvest is coming. You can send a storm, but harvest is coming. The fields are white. They are ready. It's time to move forward. It's time to go forward. It's time to walk in the clear skies. It's time to win the Lord. It's time to find the lost. It's time to build the church and to finish the work. Hallelujah. Who's with me? Come on, if you're with me today, come up to this altar right now. If you're here with me today and you're going to say, I don't care what storms are in my life, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to keep going. The enemy has created fear and torment for too long. Tell him what he can do with his fear. Tell him what he can do with his torment. Oh, hallelujah. If you're here today and you're going through a storm, I want you to know we're going to speak the name of Jesus over you, and the storm will dissipate. The storm will dissipate. The waves will go. The wind will go. The clouds will go. And there are clear skies ahead in your life. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your voices. Talk to the Lord.